You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of The Farewell. What's wrong, Dad? Please tell me. Your nan is dying. She doesn't know, so you can't say anything. The family thinks it's better not to tell her. Why is that better? Chinese people have saying, when people get cancer, they die. We have to go to China. Wedding is an excuse so everyone can see her. He's my only cousin. Don't you think I should be there? You can't hide your emotions. If you go, then we'll find out right away. Really? Why? Shouldn't we tell her? Isn't that wrong to lie? It's a good lie. Most families in China would choose not to tell her. She's dying. Can you be a little more sensitive? What do you want from me? To scream and cry like you? Ah! All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for The Farewell, and the story is as follows. Billy's family returns to China under the guise of a fake wedding to stealthily say goodbye to their beloved matriarch, the only person that doesn't know she only has a few weeks to live. The film is starring Aquafina, Si Ma, Diana Lin, Zhao Shuzhen, Lu Hong, Jian Youngbo, and it is written and directed by Lulu Wang. Joining me for this podcast review, I have Beatrice Loiza. Hey, everyone. Celia Shalekaway. Hey there. And Tom O'Brien. I get the and again. Yes, always. <laughs> uh, welcome to the review for what is, I don't know, I think if you took a poll right now, undoubtedly, maybe the general consensus for the best film of the year so far amongst a lot of people. Yeah. It certainly feels that way, right? Mm-hmm. It's way up there. I would it say so. It seems to be the like great new hope of the film industry right now. <laughs> I, I, you know, and I think a lot of it also has to do with it's been steadily building a lot of positive word of mouth since its debut at Sundance earlier this year, where uh, I, I was fortunate enough to get a chance to see it. And I could tell you all, I was blown away by this movie. Not blown away in the sense of like, I've never seen something like this before, but blown away by its humanity blown away by the balance that Lulu Wang is able to strike amongst the drama and the comedy, and blown away, too, by Aquafina 
especially after last year coming off of Crazy Rich Asians and also Ocean's 8. So what did you all think? Uh, you all saw this film much more recently than I did. Uh, Celia, I'll start off with you. What did you think of The Farewell? Well, first of all, I saw it about 10 days ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. So uh, pardon me if I'm a little fuzzy on specifics, but uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very, very good, like capital G good. I don't think it necessarily stuck with me as much as maybe it has with other people, but that probably speaks more to me than to the film itself. Um, But yeah, I, I, I just thought it was like thoroughly well done. All right, Tom. Um, It's a terrific film. It's, it's really one of the year's best. And when I first heard about it, I thought, well, it sounds very rooted in Chinese culture and I might not relate. And I saw it as like, oh, my God, he, you know, she's telling my story uh, because the, the I want to say that the more specific uh, she gets with Chinese culture, the more I related to it. And uh, I'm an Irish Catholic from you know, raised in New England. And like Lulu, uh, we didn't talk about anything. You know, something like this would be simply verboten. And when I saw that, I said, oh, my gosh, that's my family. And um, it's, it's, it's really special in how Aquafina playing a Chinese-American who is more American than her, her parents uh, comes to the, you know, right away saying, why don't you tell her? And, you know, th- th- that seems so logical. But the parents' argument about really trying to shield uh, Nainai is, is, is very compelling, too. It's a really interesting test of wills. And when uh, Billy Aquafina shows up in China, uh-oh, this is going to be big, and it is. So I think it's just one of the year's best. All right, all right. Beatrice? So I, I'll start by saying that it's, not, it's probably not one of my favorite movies of the year, but I certainly agree that it is one of the best movies of the year. That makes sense. I, I really liked it. A lot of it did resonate with me. I'm also a first generation American that with immigrant parents and a family that still lives abroad. Uh, and I agree, Matt, with your sentiment that that it's really impressive, Lulu Wang, being um, relatively new to the game, her skill at balancing rather morbid subject matter with the film's humor. I thought mm-hmm. that was was really impressive. And visually, there was also just some beautiful tableaus, especially when we get into the sham wedding scenes. However, I think that there were, for me, some some writing flaws in Billy's character development that, for me personally, didn't feel kind of earned towards the end. And some of the sentimentality, I think, didn't really work for me. It felt a little staged. Uh, Granted, I am really into Chinese film. Uh, Definitely this story was unique because it's about like the Chinese American immigrant experience of like not being able 
to or of feeling like torn apart by two different identities and also not really belonging to either one fully. But in general, I, I'm really into Chinese film and this actually felt really similar to a lot of sort of epic Chinese family dramas. Um, directors like Edward Yang, Ang Lee, they're sort of known for these sorts of portraits. Mm-hmm. And compared to those, I guess The Farewell just felt a little underwritten. Um, but I still think it was, it was a really beautiful film and I was really impressed. So that's my take. It's interesting because I think for me... I was really, really drawn to the family drama that Tom was talking about, this dilemma that Billy is in, uh, you know, constantly facing throughout the film where she really wants to tell uh, Nai-Nai that, you know, she's she's dying. <laughs> and the rest of the family has like this pact amongst themselves that they are not going to reveal to her because they don't want her wallowing in misery and, uh, you know, having her final days be joyless. They want them to be filled with joy so that she they can all remember like the the good times essentially as best as they can until it is truly too late at the very, very end. And then they can tell her uh, no, no need to prolong uh, the misery. So I have to agree with Tom where I thought the movie put felt forth a compelling argument for both sides. Obviously, we're a part of Western culture. It almost seems like inhumane to withhold that kind of information from someone. However, this argument that is made about um, one's devotion in the East is mostly to, to family. And in the West, it's to oneself. I, I really, really loved that the film did not draw a line and say, well, this side is right and this side is wrong. Instead, it presented arguments for both. Did you think going into it that they would? No, no, no. I just, I, I think it's a very, um, it, it shows a very mature and very new, it takes a very mature and nuanced filmmaker, writer, director to strike that balance and not force feed the audience. Um and let the audience make up their own mind. I think it opens it up then for a level of conversation that we're having now. Yeah, no, I agree. I think one of the film's strong points is how it sort of remains in this gray space of, I think at one point they talk about how not telling Nai Nai that she's sick is illegal in the United States. It kind of has a directness or like a concrete, like this is the right answer to it. But like, obviously it's more complicated than that. And so I think it's really beautiful how it like creates this gray space uh, for the characters to like work through how they best should be expressing themselves and their love towards each other. This might feel like a really odd comparison to make. So bear with me. But the movie I thought of the most while watching this was and this has nothing to do with plot i'm just gonna throw that out there uh the movie that this reminded me of the most was sideways Mm. because sideways for me is kind of like the gold standard for blending really realistic character drama in the sense that like these feel like actual people with actual problems. They don't feel like caricatures or they're given like these quirks where they feel cartoonish or anything like that. They feel like real people. Uh, and it, there's a great balance that is struck, as I said before, between the comedy and the drama in Sideways, where both are able to come through 
and this level of nuance also and pathos like really, really shines through in so much of uh, what is going on in that movie that I really did get a sense of that here. Um, there was moments in this movie where I was laughing because I thought obviously there are moments where it's extremely clever. And then there were moments where it was breaking my heart, especially towards the end. I mean, my God, I was in tears by the end. And then what does Lulu Wang do? Oh, I'm not going to send you out to theaters in tears. I'm going to send you out with a smile. Mm-hmm. And that was another thing that I was just like, wow. Like, I, I like it took me by surprise. Yeah. And as I was doing research and like the various stuff I've written about this, I found out that Lulu Wang, she's really, really inspired by um, early Woody Allen, which I think is makes sense because, I mean, his early films were really dark, but they're always really funny. And I, I think he's really deft at handling that. And while her film, it's not exactly like a Woody Allen film, I think there is this similar balancing act. I think you're right. I think there's a tonal balance that uh, Wang uh, creates that's beautifully done, just gorgeous and very, very tricky. And she pulls it off re- really well. I'm really curious, though, uh, because, Beatrice, something that you said in your opening uh, thoughts there about the arc of uh, Aquafina's character and some of the writing that goes into that. Um, I was actually curious if that was a sentiment that was shared also by uh, Celia at all. I don't know if if kind of that was what I was looking for from it. When I mm-hmm. when I was watching, I was mostly comparing it to my own personal experience in my mind of when my grandmother passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, it happened like a decade ago. It's fine. <laughs> but, Still. Uh, so to me, like I was mostly paying attention to like, like you guys have been talking about this like balance of tone and things like that. Um, and... I don't live a country away from my family, but I just recently moved away from, you know, everybody I know. And so kind of I'm I'm keeping that in mind and also things I'm thinking of like, okay, now what if that were to happen now where when I live so much farther away from everybody and all of these things and not just like in my town where I am. So that was kind of mostly where I was like where my mind was throughout my viewing of the film. So I mean, there definitely was, and I don't want to get into spoilers, there definitely were some things that I thought, like, I don't really see why she did that or, like, why she came to that conclusion or whatever, but at the mm. same time, there, it kind of was, like, its own explanation, in a sense, because I don't think it's meant to make sense to me as, like, an American who thinks the way most Americans do, like the decisions that she makes towards the end of the film kind of don't kind of are a little bit unfathomable no matter what. So I don't know if there is a writing thing that could have happened that would have made it feel earned because I Mm. think no matter what, at the end of the day, I would have been like, nothing would have made me do that. So yeah, Yeah. it it was kind of weird because there were some things that I was like, "Mm, yeah, I'm not sure why that happened, but also I don't think I'm supposed to understand. I think it's just supposed to be like a conscious choice that she made. And then we just go with it from there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Beatrice, does that line up with what you were alluding with before without giving away spoilers? Or was it something else entirely? Yeah, sort of. Um, I guess 
for me, so much of the drama is just centered on everyone's relationship and feelings about the death or the impending death of, of Nai Nai and like what they should be doing about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that in general, the script teases other conflicts about mm-hmm. Asian American identity, um, about immigrating at a young age, about like sense of belonging that it doesn't actually build out. And then there's a scene towards the end when Billy kind of has a breakdown where she like expresses angst about all of these things. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> like, when, did, where did this come from? <laughs> like, and I understand that's supposed to be like one of the like emotional crescendos of the film, mm-hmm. but it just kind of felt like slapped on there because it like needed to, but yeah. You know, I haven't seen a lot of Chinese cinema, so I don't know what it looks like if it's done really well. I wonder if this is kind of meant to be more of an entry point type of thing, because you were right. There were a lot of um, I'm specifically thinking of the scene where they're all having dinner together, the Mm -hmm. whole family at the restaurant and the conversations that took place there. I thought Mm -hmm. were really interesting and I wanted to hear a lot more about and then they kind of didn't come into play again like it, it was tension that was kind of brought up and then left behind all in one scene that I thought could have honestly carried an entire film if it were like fully explored but yeah. then I also wonder like that's kind of not in this maybe it wasn't meant to be in the scope of this film and maybe this is meant to be a bit more of an entry point into like not that this was like a political goal of Lulu Wang's or anything like that but like maybe this will serve as a catalyst to get people more interested in watching films that have these kinds of themes involved. Oh, I think so, actually, because when we saw it at Sundance, we were told that it actually was not one of the, you know, world cinema uh, films that was playing at uh, Sundance. So I went into this thinking it was going to be entirely in English, and I... (laughs) was yeah. completely caught off guard by the fact that 90% of it is in Chinese and really only like 15, 10, whatever percent is in uh, English. And so that definitely threw me. And I started to wonder, okay, so is this going to be a best international film contender at the end of the year? Is A24 going to try and have this appeal to a mass audience despite the fact that it is mostly in Chinese? And I actually think that the star power of Aquafina the positive word of mouth and the universal story that is being told, I actually think they have a realistic shot of ha- having it be that entry point. Like you're saying, Celia, I, I, I think if any film could be that for people, this would be a good example. Yep. Yeah, um, not to get back to the business. Nope. But, uh, okay. So serious, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. The first weekend was the highest per theater gross of any uh, film that was not in the English language, which Mm -hmm. tells you something in a real dour summer. People want to see this movie, and they should. And then when it went a little bit wider, again, it, it, it just had a huge per theater average. And it just, I don't think the language barrier is really hurting it the way that it might hurt other other films. So uh, 
boy, oh boy, this is going to be a real test case, and I can't wait to see what happens. It has the best theater average of the year, beating Avengers Endgame. Oh, yeah. Yes. (laughs) That's insane. Um, I'm trying to think of the advertisements. I can't remember if they leaned into the idea that it was, like, mostly in a foreign language in the advertising. In the trailer, there are subtitles, but it is a mixture of both uh, some English-speaking lines and some uh, Chinese lines. So it's tough to say. I think that this is one of those examples where – counter-programming against some of the other movies playing this summer, uh, positive word of mouth. And worst case scenario, those that are not seeing it right now because they're too busy seeing Hobbs and Shaw or The Lion King or whatever, I think that the word of mouth will maintain itself and it will be something that people will check out later in the year, if anything. At least I hope. (laughs) And I think that the subject matter, it has a good hook, you know, like the death of a close family member, no matter what country you come from, you can relate to like, oh yeah, I could imagine like what they're feeling in that circumstance. But then it's got this kind of, at least the way it plays in the trailer. Yeah. It almost feels kind of wacky the way they're like presenting yeah. it. Like, can you believe this is what's happening? Bada, bada, bada. And so it's, I think it has a good hook. Like I think it's, I think it found the right n- niche to attract the most interest that it can as far as the business side goes. Now now we'll see what happens as the summer progresses and as it gets wider and wider releases. But we'll just have to see about that. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't uh, ever tip into, at least I didn't think it did, uh, tip into melodrama. No. The drama was something that felt uh, natural and Mm -hmm. organic. And once again, it's a testament to Lulu Wang's control over how this story is told throughout uh, in terms of the tone. And and I know we keep mentioning that over and over. I want to kind of break it up maybe a little bit here and also talk about her skill behind the camera, how she frames Mm -hmm. uh, certain shots, and how this is a very static movie at times. There's no bells and whistles. There's no, like, fancy camera tricks or anything along those lines. But yet... One thing that I was really struck by while watching this, I don't know if any of you got the sense of it as well, but there's like a spatial relationship between the characters and how she chooses to frame them. Yep. And I'm watching this and I'm like, oh my God, it's not just, this is not just film school 101. This is like advanced film school where you're really being taught now, okay, every shot means something, not on a conscious level, like that would be film 101, but this is supposed to be saying something to the audience on a subconscious level. And subconsciously, I felt that while watching this, Um, whether it was including extra headroom or whether or not she chooses to have this shot be a little bit blurry in the background while the characters in the foreground are in focus or... You know, just in terms of, okay, we're going to have this shot where this person's at this edge of the bed and this person's going to be over here and this person's going to be on this other side of the room. And this all means something, you know, in terms of what the characters are feeling, what their relationships are like with one another. And I was like, yes, I live for this. Please give me more. (laughs) In my in my letterbox review, um. I said that it was surprisingly understated despite its clear artsy in an unsufferable way influences because I was thinking of all those different camera angles and stuff. And I think she did a good, cause 
there are some films that I've seen, especially, I feel like I've seen it more and more recently, but maybe it's just because I've been paying better attention where, where people do that for no reason Mm -hmm. or they do it so much that your that your eyes just get tired and you're like, can you just show me the important stuff so I can be done, you know? Um, and I think she does a good job balancing those maybe more artistic or like off kilter camera angles with the actual content of the scene. I, I noticed that whenever it would switch to a camera angle that I was like, why I would, you know, the content of the scene would wrap me in enough that it it would be less noticeable. You know what I mean? I feel like so often people are just like, notice how weird my angle is. Isn't it interesting how different this camera angle is? And I'm like, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> just tell the story. So, <laughs> yeah, know? I mean, there there's a lot of that, but I think, I think like we've said, she's, she's found a good balance so that it never feels exhausting in, in that kind of like indie movie cliche way. <laughs> totally agreed. Um, I, when I, when I finished the film, when I was like, okay, that was really good, but I didn't, I did not associate her with um, big flourishes, you know, single shots for the last 12 minutes. No, right. this is, good, solid filmmaking. And I don't mean to say solid in terms of negative. It's very positive because she's really here at the service of the screenplay. And does she ever deliver? I keep like, I I made this joke on our uh, weekly show, but can you imagine like the talks that she must have with Barry Jenkins about (laughs) cinema? Can you just imagine Oh, the pillow talk. I would so love to be a fly on the wall <laughs> oh, and listen. <laughs> and I think that's evident in both of their works. You know, Beale Street last year, this year with her in The Farewell. I, I think that they're, they, they're both tapped into something and it's, yeah. it's working. So uh, something else I also want to really comment on is the cast. Uh, obviously, we've talked about Aquafina a little bit here. I think this is the best performance uh, she's ever given, personally. Uh, I know a lot of people are a fan of her work in Crazy Rich Asians. I'm, and I think a lot of that has to do with how much I was just, like I said before, genuinely surprised by her. I did not – it's not so much I didn't know that she had this in her. I guess I just wasn't expecting it. I didn't know what to expect. I went into this completely blind, remember? <laughs> you know, yeah. No trailers, nothing. So I had no clue what I was in for with this. But, yeah, no, I think she's great. But the the extended – the ensemble, the ensemble cast in this – um, I, I really, I wish there was more. Like, I, I wish the movie had time to go a little bit deeper into some more of the characters. But uh, Zhao Shuzhen, or Shuzhen, I'm, I'm going to get this pronunciation right at some point. <laughs> You'll have to. I think I will have to. Yeah. I think we're going to be talking about her uh, throughout award season. Mark my words. Any, anyone else agree? Oh, totally. I, th- I, think she's, I think she's in the top five. For supporting actress. Huh. I I don't quite buy it. I think she's wonderful. I think that if anyone has a chance, it might be Aquafina. Mm-hmm. Just because she's got the name recognition and it is her first you know, serious dramatic role and she kills yeah. it. I agree. I, I don't know how long of legs... Not that I'm saying it doesn't. This movie doesn't deserve long legs. It's weird because I I feel like I'm 
I don't want to like step on people's toes if you love this movie. I just feel like every summer there's a movie like this and it's always forgotten by October. And so it's like, if this movie has legs, then maybe. Yeah. Well, it's our job to make sure it has legs. And that's why we are doing this. <laughs> yes. I think it has has a better chance than other sort of critically acclaimed A24 films that have come out around the same time. I mean, it's a family drama. It's not like horror. Right. Yeah, yeah no, it's not true. Ex Machina. Well, even though that did pretty yeah. well for itself, all things yeah. considered. I think it could get critics groups behind it. Oh, I think that's going to happen, definitely. Definitely, yeah. Well, and it almost benefits from this, like, blockbuster fest that we're in right now because it it feels like the only real other option at the moment yeah i could see that in like more mainstream theaters um it's interesting because we're kind of like talking about i guess the oscar potential now we usually say that for the end but that's okay um i i, I kind of want to stick with it actually since we're in the thick of it right now i personally could see this going as far as picture Actress, supporting actress, adapted screenplay. And you know what would be a welcome surprise? I'm not going to rule it out just yet, but I think the original score was quite beautiful. Yeah. And the score was very pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Let's throw it in there. If they really, really love it and they really go for it hard, uh, that could get uh, roped in. And you, you all think I'm leaving it off the table here. I'm not. Uh, I was saving it for last for a reason. Yes, this does extend to Lulu Wang and Best Director as well. All right. Um, I have heard um, that the basis of the film, the um, piece on This American Life, was deemed not sufficient enough for adapted screenplay. <gasps> oh. And I believe A24 is going to put it in original. And the Academy seems to be okay with that. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to update my predictions accordingly. Yeah. That changes things. Interesting. I see screenplay. Yeah. But I, I don't feel comfortable predicting anybody else yet. There's just so much coming out this fall. Of course. No, we have to see if every... Con- Here's the thing about that. Like, And I, I agree with you, Celia, that it's early and... As much as I would love to put it in certain categories, I mean, like I'm just naming the prospects here, right? But right. yeah, I would say today, like as of now, that writer's branch is so badass. I could see them going <laughs> for this as a lone nomination, uh, realistically speaking. However, uh, I agree. If, if like if other contenders come out and they underwhelm, they don't do as well as we expect. Uh, you know, we just had a trailer for Cats recently, and that got pretty much written off by a lot of people. You know, oh, the, the well, field clears. Let's wait and see. Let's what are you talking about, Matt? That's that was delightful. <laughs> let's let's calm down here, people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that then you could have something that is a proven commodity rise up and overperform potentially. Uh, that you know that could happen. I'm not saying it will, uh, but it could. I'd say right now. Um, it's interesting because like Booksmart is also like another film uh, that was really well acclaimed this year that uh, is also from not A24, but uh, an independent studio, Annapurna. And it'll be interesting to see if uh, screenplay categories, if they can go for both. I mean, that'd be great. Yeah. You know, uh, I think it might go for screenplay and maybe actress for Aquafina, But I'm also 
with you, Celia, and that I'm not really comfortable and generally skeptical that it's going to go much farther. Hmm. But who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who knows? True. I think yeah. Cats is going to sweep. That's all I got to say. Oh, no. Yeah, sweep the Razzies. Good <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So with that said, final thoughts. Uh, anything that we did not talk about with the farewell that you want to mention, I pass it off to Celia first. I listened to the commentary for Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Oh. Um, and the director, Stanley, Stanley Donan, said, talked extensively about how difficult it was to frame shots with 14 people in them and how he didn't think about that before he started the movie. And then he was <laughs> like, oh my God, this is actually hell, basically. I just wanted to say that I thought it was extremely impressive how natural everybody looked in this movie because there were so many shots and so many scenes with so many people in them, especially like at the wedding or, you know, at all of the different like meal sharing scenes. Like it always looked so natural and so good. And I think it's one of those things where you're not going to notice how difficult it is if someone does it well. So I wanted to give that a shout out. Hell yeah. Nice. Beatrice? I don't have anything else to say on the film, but uh, watch out for those who have not seen it. There is a lovely little singing dog. (laughs) 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 And uh, I, for those who have seen it, I have a recommendation. Um, Ang Lee's The Wedding Banquet. Yes. I think says 93. It has a lot in common. It's very different, but if you enjoyed The Farewell, I'd behoove you to go see that as well. (laughs) Solid choice. Great recommendation. Love it. And oh yeah, side note. Every film this year, this year feels like it has a dog. I'm just throwing that out there. Feels like there's a dog in every movie. <laughs> or a cat. I don't know what it is. But yeah. I'm getting tired of this emotional cheap trick that filmmakers keep <laughs> playing on us. Tom, final thoughts. I've got two final thoughts. One, a shout out to Zima and Diana Lynn. Yes. As, as Billy's parents. That was going to be my final thought. Absolutely. These are tough roles to play because they're not sympathetic, but they're real. And I really like that. And the other thing I would just like to say, anybody who goes to see it, and if you think the film is over and leave early, don't. Don't. Don't, don't, don't. There's a (laughs) whopper of a surprise in the final credits. Yeah. I think that's uh, part of what makes the film great, actually, is that final moment. Because believe me, I was feeling one way. I was really feeling one way. I was like wiping those tears away. And I was like, okay, all right. And then next thing you know, and then I was like, oh my God. I was like smiling. I'm still wiping away the tears, you know. Uh, (laughs) Just one of those things where, like I said, this movie was a genuine surprise, a delightful surprise, a heartbreaking surprise. And one that I am very, very excited to show to a lot of other people because I do believe that Uh, Just in terms of measuring a person's empathy and understanding of humanity, as it were, Um, you know, this is a movie I I would like to show to friends and family. And I'd be very curious to see what their reaction to it would be. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, can you overcome the language barrier? Can you overcome that this is not a big, giant superhero action, sci-fi, blockbuster, whatever type film? Can you recognize that this film is doing something that is more relatable and more real, despite the fact 
that it is based in a culture um, and in a country, too, that you may never have even visited before, never experienced. Can you recognize that it is still something that has the ability to touch something deep inside all of us and have it be universal? I would, I would love to be able to, you know, I would love to be able to sense that or see that and uh, hopefully pry it out of some people. <laughs> uh, I'm giving this one a nine. I'm giving this one a nine. Uh, Celia? I'm giving it an eight. But, but I, again, I want to clarify that with um, I was totally in it when I was watching it. I was in it and I liked it a lot and I was loving it. It was just, I walked away from the theater and it didn't stick with me as hard as I wanted it to, which to be quite honest, nothing this year really has. So maybe I just have some weirdly high standard in 2019 for some reason. It's because you're part of the site. <laughs> I'm playing. I was on it in 2018 too. I know, I'm playing. I'm but playing. yeah, so, so I'm giving it an eight because I wish it stuck with me like it did for everybody else. Sure. Sure. Uh, Beatrice? I go back and forth between seven and eight, but I'm going to stick with eight because I do think it's a movie that everyone should see and that I think a lot of people are going to enjoy. Tom? And faithful listeners will know I'm a grump, but um, not today, a nine. All right. (laughs) Well, this has been the Next Best Picture Podcast review of The Farewell. Uh, Let's go around one more time. Celia, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter and on Letterboxd at Films Unstuck. Beatrice? You can find me on Twitter at B-E-A Louisa. And Tom O'Brien. And I am at Twitter at Thomas E. O'Brien. And I am found at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of The Farewell, part of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. Rate us five stars. Leave us a comment. Say some words, some nice words. It could be in Chinese. It could be in America. I don't care. Just leave us something. And also, if you're feeling generous, head on over to Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And we shall see you all next time. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.